It's interesting, I've, I've had communion in all sorts of places over the years. Uh, I remember when, when I was a kid, we used to, to ride motorbikes a lot and we used to go away on, on motorbike camps. So I was in a, in a thing called Boys Brigade. And I remember one, we, we had a leader there and he, he, um, he had this very earthy spirituality about him. And um, he, he used to always encourage us to take communion at, at some point on, on Sunday um, before we got out on the motorbikes again. And, and we'd, we had a look around to see what was there for communion. I remember we, we had communion with a, with a Mars bar and a can of Coke. So, so we had a, had a bite of the Mars bar each and, and handed around a, a can of Coke. Um, maybe you think that's a bit sacrilegious, but anyway, we remembered and I remember it. Uh, and the important thing is, is the gathering together and the, the being one um, because of Jesus' amazing sacrifice. So, uh, been exciting. As we've been through this, this crazy time and we've been through things that we didn't expect and just this morning as my, my, my mind went to, to this verse here and I, and I want to declare it over you right now and, and it says this in Romans 8.28 and, and Paul's writing, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That we know in all things that God is working for good for those that love him and are called to his purpose. Isn't that an incredible promise? That, that you know what, I, I don't believe that, that this season of, of, of virus and all that's going on in the world today, you know, that doesn't come from God. That comes from the brokenness of the world that we live in. He, he doesn't send those plagues on people. He is actually working for good. And even when those things happen, even when things have happened in your finances, even when things have happened in your family, even when things have happened in your relationship, you know, they may not have been first preference or or the most ideal, but let's remember that God is working all things, not just some things, not just some of the time, not just the cool things, not just the religious things, but he is working all things together for the good of those that love him and are called by his purpose. Let's let's take that on. You know what, he doesn't just say the joyous things or, 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 or or the... or the the amazing things, from the minutest to the most momentous, from the humblest to a great crisis or something that is significant, all things are working for your good. All things, not just they have or they shall, but all things are working. Through this season, through wherever you're at at the moment, all things are working together for good. And I believe that God has given this amazing opportunity in in that, that we can have a reset, that we can allow him to do something new, that we can allow him to lead us into some new things. And so so I I want us to take that on. And we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. We've got our reset series coming up really soon that's going to be happening um, on Thursday nights. And that's going to be here. It will be live here in the building. It will also be streamed. But what we're going to do is we're going to reset and we're going to go back to to unpacking the fundamentals of of what discipleship actually is. 
of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in all sorts of scenarios. What it means to be a follower of Jesus in the middle of a crisis. What it means to be a follower of Jesus when you've just come into relationship with him and you're trying to work out where the next season goes. What it means to be a follower of Jesus when you think that you've done everything, seen everything, been in church, there is nothing that can excite you, it's all happened before. Well, you know what? God has got something new for you. Wherever you are, he's got something new. And this thing is not just um, for people that need it. You know, when, as Christians, we all look around and we think, um, yeah, there's a marriage course on. You know, uh, Bob and Betty, you know, they're struggling a bit. They need that marriage course. Oh, I should call Bob and Betty. We don't even have Bobs and Bettys now, do we? <laughs> if you're Bob and Betty, bless you. But, uh, but... <laughs> we have like Kyron and Cody and <laughs> things like that. We, we often think, well, somebody else would love that. That would be good for somebody else. But, but how often do we think, no, that's something I need? And I want to encourage us, you know, as a body, as we go into the new that God has for us, let's, let's get a hold of this reset together. Let's get a hold of what it means to, to have this, this sort of, this raw discipleship, this following of Jesus together as a church. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine how that can ripple, not just through a church, but imagine how that can ripple through our community. Imagine how that can ripple through a city. Um, so let's be part of that together. So as we're going into this, this season of, of newness, as we're going into the new, which is how we started the year, we didn't know what was coming, but, but we felt prophetically that God had said into the new. Um, our, our key verse, and let's, let's get into this both here, um, in this building, um, online. Great to have you guys with us this morning, whether you're in New South Wales, Victoria, the Derwent Valley, Oh, Nepal, great to have you with us this morning. It's absolutely fantastic. You know what? I think we've actually discovered in this season that God has actually pushed us to do things that we knew were possible, things that we knew could be done, but he's actually put us into a place where he's fast-tracked some things. And I think as we continue to, to, to reach into that online sphere, as we continue to be secure about that, we're not going to worry about the fact that, oh, gee, if we go online, we might have less people in the building. Oh, I think actually there's going to be a multiplication of what is happening here, that he will expand the reach and, and what, what actually happens here will actually not suffer at all, but it will grow. So, so we're actually going to be very sort of bold about that. We're still working all these things out, but these are exciting days. Um, so Pastor Alex, as you heard, has got a real passion for our broadcast team. Um, she wasn't sitting with, down the front with me today. She's up the back directing and she builds a team. So if, if that's something you're excited about, why don't you talk to, to Pastor Alex and Andrew and others and, and find out how you can be part of the broadcast team because we're excited about the days ahead for that. Anyway... Back to the scripture. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 says this. It says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Now, that wouldn't be you. That would be Bob and Betty. <laughs> They're terrible people. <laughs> which is corrupted by lust and deception. Betty, I told you to stop. Instead... <laughs> Let the Spirit renew your thoughts, Bob, 
and put on your new nature, created like God, truly righteous and holy. And and last week we we talked about the process of that. Let's commit to that three-step process, which is to to throw off the old, to get rid of things that we don't need anymore. Uh, At the moment, this weekend, we've had a crazy weekend at home. We've got builders coming in tomorrow. We've we've ripped down walls. We've stripped out a kitchen. We've ripped down another wall. We've moved all the stuff out of the kitchen. I mean, we've only been in the house two years. How much stuff can you have in one kitchen? I tell you what, a whole garage full of stuff. That's how much. And, and, and we've been moving all that around. But you know what? To make space for this new kitchen, uh, we've actually had to take out the old. And we've actually had to create space so that the new can come in. And, and sometimes we're, we're holding on to things. We're thinking, oh, if, if, I, if, I, if I let go of that, what will I have? Well, I want to encourage you that a step of faith is in faith in a good God who says, if you let go of that, I will come and fill it and I will replace it with something new, something better than what you had before. So throw off the old. And then as we've been led this morning and we've sung about the Holy Spirit, let's ask the Holy Spirit who's not just a thing or an it, or a being, or a presence, but is a person. Somebody you can get to know. Somebody who you can understand his nature and who he is. Ask that Holy Spirit to come and fill that space, and then we're in a position where we can put on the new. So last week I talked about the first two steps. This morning I want to talk about what it means to intentionally put on a new nature. What does it mean to intentionally put on a new nature? And I think there are a couple of different ways that you can get dressed. Um, You've probably got more ways than that. Uh, We've got small children and there are all sorts of ways that you can get dressed. But but for me, there are a couple of different ways. There's that time before you had small children when you had to sleep in. (laughs) And, And suddenly the doorbell rings. And, and it's like, oh, I forgot so-and-so was coming. Or, oh, who the heck would that be? And, and you know, you, you've got to answer the door. And you get out of bed and you think, well, if I go like this, I will get arrested or that person will need trauma counselling. <laughs> and so, so what you do is, you, you know, you, you pull a pair of jeans on and, and you, you put a T-shirt on and you sort of get to the door. And on the way back, you look at yourself and think, did I go like that? You know, that is one way that you can get dressed. Or or, or perhaps you've got, you know, you're going to work, you've got an event on, or even you're getting married, you will be very intentional about the way that you dress. You will, you know, you will think about every piece of clothing that you put on and, and, you know, not, not always going to work, but you'll put your uniform on or whatever you're going to work. But if it's your wedding, you know, you, a bride, will, will spend months or years or a whole lifetime planning about what she's going to put on on that day. And it is meticulous. And, and, you know, it is very intentional. You don't just sort of get up, pull the first pair of jeans, put the first T-shirt on and go, whoa, here I am. And, and sometimes in our, in our life, we have actually got this amazing garment of our new self that we can actually put on and we're a bit like Dave getting up after a sleep in, you know, yesterday's dirty jeans off the floor and the T-shirt on when we've actually got something much better that we can put on. And I think to walk in the new, we must be intentional about what we put on. I think sometimes we allow circumstances to dress us. 
You see, that's, that putting on the T-shirt and the jeans when the doorbell rings, that's circumstantial. Um, you know, normally you, you'd probably get up and, and give it a little bit more thought than that. But the circumstance was the doorbell rings, I've got to get some clothes on, and, and so you grab the first thing and away you go. And, and often we allow circumstances to dress us. I've been dressed by anger. I've been dressed by frustration. I've been dressed by deception. I've been dressed by ambivalence. We allow those things to be the factors that clothe us rather than the intentionality of what Paul was writing about when he said, actually put on your new nature. So put it on, intentionally put it on. We've been made new in Christ. We don't just have it, or do we? Do we just, do we just have it? Are you... Who's a naturally nice person? We've got a few here. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vicky up there in our media team, she's naturally nice. Um, Gaynor, Gaynor's naturally nice. Um, Grant and I, we're not naturally nice. Some of us have got to work really hard at that stuff. In other words, what I'm saying is is I've got a nature, I've got an old self that I've got to take off. And I've got to, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to fill that space and I've got to intentionally put on the new to be the person that he's created me to be. And, And I've got to be intentional about that. Sometimes we think, oh, right, I've got saved, I'm a Christian, I'm just going to be naturally nice. I'm just going to, you know what, when we go like that, we make ourselves very vulnerable because we think everything's cool and we go out and we get into life and we think, why did today turn to custard? Why did today go so bad? Why, why did I have that argument? Why did I lose it with that person? Why did they treat me like that? Why didn't they understand me? You know, all those things that, that can be going on when we think about have we actually intentionally put on the nature that we have? Our kids, they don't like putting on jumpers or coats very much. And it's funny, you go, you go out, you take, them out, you take them out to a park or something like that and you know, every parent does this and you say to them, look, you, you, it's, it's cold out there, you're going, to need your, you're going to need your jacket on, you're going to need your coat on. And, and they nah. And, and then you go a bit further, you sort of forcibly try to put it on and they no. And they tear off and they start playing. And, and, and the next thing, this has happened time and time again, and, and the next thing, you, you've, got, you've got a little boy wanting to get back in the car because he's freezing cold. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> Actually, you don't really want to go home. You just want to be warm. And then, no, and then you still try and put a jacket on. No, 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 I want to go home. And, and, and there's this... There's this amazing thing, but those of us who have lived a little bit longer, particularly here in Tasmania, understand that a good puffer jacket can improve the quality of your life. It mightn't be the coolest thing anymore. It mightn't be that hip, but a puffer jacket can improve the quality of your life. And we have this new nature or this new self and we need to understand that if we put it on, it actually improves the quality of our life. We are putting something on that is exceptional, something that is truly amazing, something that is absolutely incredible. And listen to what it says, and put on the new self which is being, this is from Colossians, which is 
being made new or being renewed in the knowledge on, and the image of its creator. And, and, and if you look at that, the ancient Greek, the way that, it, that, that they unpack this, it, and this is the David Morse paraphrase of this, it, it says, it was to put on your recently regenerated nature which is continually being perfectly renewed and progressing towards completion. Who would like a, a car? Who would like a car? Okay. Here, here, here at your church, we give away cars. Just come up on stage, we'll have a quick quiz show and you can walk away with a new car. But who, who would... <laughs> Who would like a car that regenerates? You know, you have that little bit of an issue in the car park and then you drive out of the car park and it just regenerates. You know, the the scratch and the dent is gone. Or, you know, that that it never gets old. You know, you, you you buy a car that is current... But, but very quickly, it's not current anymore. Imagine that if it was like a piece of software or an app that just continually updated and that you were always driving the current model that, that without shelling out all the money that's required to change your car every year. Uh, imagine being able to do that. Well, you know what? The new self, and that's what the, the, the way that Paul had written this in the Greek, he said, put on your new self which has recently been regenerated and is continually being renovated and regenerated all the way to perfection and that never stops. Who wouldn't want to buy that car? Who wouldn't want to put on that nature? Because your new self has recently, not back in 1973, uh, when, when as a small child you came to Jesus and you got this new nature, but no, even now, Jeff Towns, that your new nature, because that's, I was just sort of doing the timeline there, but, but you know, that, that new nature, is being regenerated and is being renewed and is being taken towards completion. Why wouldn't we want to put that one on? So to put on the new, how can we intentionally put it on? I think we've got to know the value of it. We've got to know how absolutely amazing it is. We have got to know the value of the new nature that we've got to put on. Right here across the building, whether you're with us online, in the Derwent Valley, in Nepal, you know, understand that we are putting on something of immense value. Jesus gave his best so that you could put on your best. Jesus didn't just give you his leftover. You know, sometimes um, teenagers are really blessed, you know, to, to get a car provided for them by their parents. Any teenagers here that their their parents have been amazing and and, and provided them with a car? Yeah, Jack's putting his hand up. But you know what? Sometimes what happens, and and Joey, Joey's one of those people, but Joey, did Brother Andrew, did Brother Andrew, when it was time for you to get a new car, did he give you the brand new Ranger? No, he didn't, did he? <laughs> but he gave you a pretty good car. Like, like I've seen you driving around in, in fairly new cars. I've also seen the Falcon. But anyway, that's, that's another point. But, but you know what? Parents often will give the, the, 
the, the teenager almost a hand-me-down car. Mum's old shopping car. That's a classic one, isn't it, for the teenage girl? Mum's old shopping car. She gets a new car and the teenager gets the old car. You know what? Jesus didn't do that. He didn't give you something that had been used and, and something that was okay and would get you by. No, he gave you his very best. He actually laid down his own life. He sacrificed everything. He bankrupted heaven so that you could put on your best. You know, if we understand the value of what we have, I think we would intentionally want to put it on. We have this new nature which is absolutely exceptional. It's up to date. It never goes out of date. It's exceptional. Come on, let's put it on. If we're still feeling stale, stagnant, unmotivated, disappointed... That would be not you, that would be Betty and Bob. But, you know, if you're you're feeling like that, put on the new nature. I recently um, updated my car. And, and, you know, when you you do get that new car, actually going going to the shop to get a loaf of bread takes on another level of excitement, doesn't it? I mean, going to the shop to get a loaf of bread, not very exciting, but you've got a new car and it's got new things to work out and, you know, and muck around with. It actually makes going to get the bread exciting. You know what? The new nature that you've got can make the most boring day exciting. The new nature that you've got can make the going to work on the most mundane day actually have purpose and future beyond what you've ever imagined. Come on, let's put on. Let's know the value of what we have got to put on. So number two, how can we intentionally put on the new? And this is straight from, from the verses here in Ephesians. Is number two, I think we've got to tell the truth. We've got to, we've got to value truth. We've got to value the nature. We've also got to value truth. It says there, Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. See, truth is actually conforming one's words to one's reality. Truth is conforming one's words to one's reality. It's, it's very easy to, to, to have a, a truth rhetoric but not live a truth existence. And, and we've actually got to make sure that our, our, our words and our reality line up. That's what truth actually is. Truth is incredibly liberating. You see, your new self is grounded in truth, not deception. We're all members of one body, Christ's body, the church. You are no longer an alienated, independent being. It's no longer okay to say, well, well, if I want to do that, that's all right. If I want to do that, you know, if I, if, if I want to binge five nights a week on Netflix so that I haven't got my best self, well, that's okay. It's not affecting anybody else. Well, actually it is because we're all members of one body and we actually are intrinsically connected and we have an impact on each other and the body at whole. You see, truth will empower others to make decisions and act accordingly. All believers are called to a pattern um, that, is on, that is built on truth that is God revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Truth is intrinsic in the kingdom. Sometimes it seems like truth is a bit of a, a rare commodity um, in this day and age, doesn't it? And, and Alex and I have 
been through various things in the last few years and we've actually, one of the things that we found was that, that dealing with, with different areas uh, that we've been involved in and, and all sorts of, of agencies and things like that is sometimes people, people don't always value truth like, like we felt we did. And, and sometimes, you know, people say, oh, well, the ends justify the means. So, so, so truth is not something that's valued. And, and you will find that that's pretty, that's pretty mainstream across our society. So, so to be somebody that actually values truth actually will set you apart from the mainstream. It will set you apart from the mainstream. Sometimes it seems like, like truth is something that you've got to fight for, but I don't think so much we've got to fight for it. I think we've got to be it. You see, intrinsically in the kingdom, it is based on truth. And if truth is so connected to our reality, we actually live out truth. We used to joke a bit. We had a... Um, Years ago in, in, in my cycling, so here's the obligatory cycling story. <laughs> we used to do these things, um, I mean, you know, pretty, pretty horrible way to start a day. Six o'clock in the morning, we were, some mornings we were out doing what we called um, strength efforts or strength intervals. And, and basically an interval in training is to go as hard as you possibly can, you know, till it really hurts, you know, just short of throwing up sort of hurt. And, and you, you know, you do that for, for two or three or up to five minutes, then you have a break and then you think, oh, I'm so pleased I'm having a break and then you do it again. And the thing is you're pushing your, your body to that limit and it actually, you know, it builds strength in your body. And we had a, had a guy in our group and he would always, he, the, the, the reality, there's nothing wrong with what he was doing in, in the grand scheme of things, but he, he, would, he would actually fudge the strength efforts. Like we'd be going, we'd be going flat out, going hard and giving all we got, and he'd be making all sorts of puffing and panning noises, but he wasn't going that hard. And, and I used to say to him quite often, we'd joke with him, and and, he'd, and we'd say, Trevor, you're only cheating yourself. Trevor, you're only cheating yourself. You're not going to get the benefit out of this. And sometimes we're almost happy to live in that as as Christians. But you know what? We've actually got to understand that it's not just cheating ourselves, it's having an impact on the body. And that's what living out truth is so connected to. So, so let's make sure that, that it is absolutely based on truth. Number three, how can we intentionally put on the new? Number three is we're to keep short accounts. We've got to keep short accounts. It says this in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, and it says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, when you get angry, I feel like asking who gets angry. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll help you out. I get angry sometimes. But it says, in your angry, in your, in your angry, <laughs> in your angry, <laughs> in your anger, do not sin. In other words, it's not, you know, you, you haven't blown it all just because you feel angry. You haven't, you haven't suddenly become this despicable person because you felt anger. And, and we understand, you know, that, that Jesus demonstrated anger at one point when he came into the temple and turned the tables over. But it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You see, the way to not take ourselves, the way to not empower this, this destructive nature 
of sin that often flows through anger is to keep short accounts. Um, whether it's literally dealing with it that day or, or sometime, but it basically says don't let the sun set on your anger. And basically it's talking about a sunset clause. You know, often we say, oh, the sun set on something, that's over. You know, but, it, but if, if there's this sense where we got angry, the sun sets on it and, and there was no resolution and we haven't found a way through that, we haven't been able to, to sort that out with God, we haven't been able to sort it out perhaps with a person, whatever it is, but if we continually let the sun set on that, what it says, that will take you into sin. What is it? There's a reason for that. It says, do not let the devil get a foothold. Why does he not want you to sort those things out? Why is it so hard to sort those things out? Because he wants this foothold or this handle in your life so that he can actually continually pull you down. So when you start to get into the next thing, he can actually remind you of the last time you got angry and you lost it and and, and that became destructive and he's got a foothold where he can hold you back. And sometimes it's like a handle, but is that that build? Sometimes it's like this massive foothold, you know. And he stands on it, and he's there with both feet, and he's jumping on it. And you're trying to you're trying to move into the next thing, and he's sort of jumping up and down. And he's saying, you know, he's pulling you back down. And he's saying, you're not worthy. You're not going to do it. You're going to lose it again. You are not created for this because that's why Paul, when he was writing, he says, don't give the devil a foothold. Deal with it. Keep short accounts. Don't let this stuff go too long. Deal with it as quickly as you possibly can. Life's too short to hold grudges. I don't talk to that person because I had a run-in with them back in 1973. We were only three. But anyway, I knew they were bad and I haven't spoken to them since. How much do we lose when we hold a grudge? How much do we lose when, when you know, you, you meet families sometimes and there's been a, you know, a blow up and people have lived a whole life without the benefit of that relationship and that support and that wholeness. Life's too short to hold grudges. Let's put on the new. All right, number four. How can we intentionally put on the new? Here we go. This is deep. Are you ready for deep? Straight from the scripture. Do something useful. (laughs) Ephesians 4.28 says, Anyone who has been stealing, that's again Bob and Betty, must steal no longer, but must work at doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. It's all about a focus that goes towards others. You see, a thief takes for his own benefit, whereas kingdom people work to do something that actually is about a bigger purpose. You see, and I believe that this stealing is bigger than just, you know, shoplifting or, um, or taking a car or something like that. I mean, we, we, get, we understand that with stealing or, or, or being light-fingered. We, uh, we get that stuff and, and there's no need for that at all. But... You know, it can be robbing a friend or a partner of the opportunity through our own selfishness. How, how, many, how many married relationships are there where, where one partner has never been able to be the person that they were created to be because of the selfishness of the other partner? 
How many times have has somebody's insecurity actually held somebody back in a place where they haven't been able to step into who they were created to be? And, and that is stealing. That is stealing somebody's future. That is stealing somebody's purpose. That is stealing from who somebody needs to be. You see, and when Paul writes, don't steal, he's actually talking about a greater understanding than just being light-fingered. He's actually saying, make sure that we're not in our selfishness taking away the opportunity that others in the body should have. You know, and sometimes you can actually be a team leader, you know, at work, uh, or, or in church life, and if, if, if all the time, you know, you're the one standing, getting all the glory, doing all the, all the things, and, and you're not giving other people the opportunity to step into that, well, that's stealing the opportunity that's there. And, and I understand those things are more complex than that. There's, there's bringing people through and, and all, the, all the things that work in that. But, but in Colossians 3.8, and, and it, it, it actually prefaces this before it talks about putting on the new self, and it says... You know, there are, there are positive commands there. Be kind, be compassionate and be forgiving. And, and compassionate is about our, an inner emotion of affection. Compassion, you know, is actually feeling that, and it's also an action, but, but it starts with that, that, that inner emotion of feeling something towards another person. Um, forgiving is to be gracious and free. Three of the most powerful, useful things that we can actually do to stop us robbing robbing others. Choose to be kind. Choose to be compassionate. And choose to be forgiving. Be kind, be compassionate and be forgiving. Number five. I'm going to finish with this one this morning. So, so how, can we, how can we put on a new self? We've got to build people up. We've talked about truth, but, but building up isn't just a, a shallow pumping up of somebody's tyres. You know, some people are really good at that. You know, you can come along to a person, oh, yeah, you're awesome, you're, you know, and, and, and there's sort of a, a, a shallowness of, of pumping them up just so that the relationship works. It's got to be more than that. It's actually got to come from a value of truth and it's got to come from a value of, of, of being for that person. It's a real genuine heart. Be genuine. Ephesians 4:29 again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that they may benefit those who listen. Wow. I said I was going to finish with that, but I'm going to finish with this. <laughs> Number six, choose to praise. Choose to praise. If you want to put on your new self, choose to praise. Listen to what it says in Isaiah. And it's Isaiah 61. And, and the verses before this um, uh, is the really powerful verses that Jesus spoke when he went to the temple and spoke out his mandate. And he talked about binding up the brokenhearted and setting the captives free and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. But listen to what it, what it says following this. It says, And provide those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, 
the oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness for the planning of the Lord, for the display of his splendour. I believe that if we want to put on the new self, we've actually got to choose to put on that garment of praise. We've actually got to choose to put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And you know what? This Despair will come into our lives. Disappointment will come into our lives. All those things will come, but actually putting on a garment of praise, putting on a new self which has a spirit of praise is a choice. It's actually a choice to praise God on, a, on your worst day. It's a choice to praise God when you don't understand what's happening. It's a choice to praise God when you're so angry with your wife or your husband or somebody at work. It is a choice to praise. And, and I will guarantee that if you will choose praise, there is a spirit that will leave you because when praise inhabits, when the praise of God fills that place, it repels uh, so many other things that, that are, are destructive and would want to take you down that path. You know, the, the Bible says, you know what, that, that you, can't get, you, you can't get sweet and bitter water from the same spring. You know, when you choose to praise, you actually shut down a whole lot of other things that would want to flow out of you and the goodness of God actually flows through you.